day today? I heard, I heard some good things today, not only from the great preacher that we had here this morning, uh, but I heard some great things about uh, Pastor Warren Height this afternoon, which was, which was great. Someone was telling me that uh, he is a phenomenal lecturer and he really enjoys being in the room when Warren's, like that's a, that's a good thing to hear, right? Like I heard good things about Evan, I heard good things about Israel, I heard good things, like it's just nice to say good things about people, right? Like, because what we say matters. Um, I, I was having a conversation with Evan earlier today, after the morning service, actually, and he was saying that today he got some chickens. <laughs> How many chickens do you have, Evan? Oh, four chickens. <laughs> I said, oh, I thought you were more chickens than that, but four chickens, great. Um, very cool. Can, can I tell my chicken story? Recently... I was down in, uh, in Invercargill, which is a great place to be. I got to visit um, friends. I got to visit family. Um, I got to experience uh, the weather at its most extreme. Uh, I was like, man, I haven't experienced weather like this since I've left. Fancy that. That's, uh, I was driving home. I was driving home late at night through the middle of town down the main road, double, double lane road. And it was raining so hard that my window wipers were on full blast. And I still couldn't see clearly down the road. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't experienced this for quite some time. This feels awesome. I, I kind of like that. But then in the distance, I could see like these inky black shapes kind of materializing in the darkness. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't see. I wonder what that is. Is that something on the road? No, surely it wouldn't be something in the middle of the road. Next thing you know, these two wheelie bins are snaking down the road towards my car. So I have to stop and get them and put them aside. I thought, man, welcome, welcome home, all right? <laughs> Very cool. But prior to that, I'd been out at my friend's house. He lives about an hour out of town. And he's probably one of the most passionate people that I've ever met. Uh, he's also an amazing hunter, so I love spending time with him. And whilst we were there, he said, hey, would you like to come and see my antler collection. Now, my antler con collection, the antlers that you get over these, my antler co collection is like uh, maybe three antlers at home. <laughs> I have chopped a few more up than that up and used them for other things. Otherwise, I'd have some more, but I've got like three antlers. He's got like 30-something sets of antlers hanging up in his shed. He's like, look, 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 this is like, this is like my man room. I said, yeah. I don't feel as manly in your room. <laughs> but whilst we were out there, I noticed that he had these, I don't know, particular type of chickens running around. I don't know what type of chicken they were. I'd never seen them before. I said, man, you've got, those chickens are really nice. They're kind of bluey gray. I don't know if anyone has seen the bluey gray chickens before. Anyway, they're running around. I'm like, man, those, those are really cool looking chickens. I said, how long have you had those? So I've had them for a while. They're not really great um, egg layers, he said, but we get a few eggs from them. And, uh, and we've also got one that was blind, but now it can see. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, well, a number of weeks ago, one of the chickens took a dislike whilst it was sitting on its egg and decided to pick its eyes out. <laughs> I don't know what that looked like. I wasn't there. <laughs> but it literally picked the eyes out of the other chicken. He said, and, and, and 
And he goes, and my wife loves the chickens. So she was really upset, and she showed me the chicken, and it had no eyeballs, and we thought, well, the chicken's going to die. But she said, no, I don't want the chicken to die. I want you to pray for it, because you're a man of God, and I want you to make it, live, uh, make it live. And he's like, oh, man. So he said, I spent two days praying for that chicken. Like, I would go out and pray for it. And we kind of thought that if we just fed it and gave it some water, that it might learn to live blind and be okay. Like, it would smell the grain and eat it. But they said, but it didn't. It just continued to sit there and do nothing and look miserable and was probably going to die. Guys, and so she told him, no, you need to pray for that chicken again. He's like, oh, I prayed for this flipping chicken. So the Bible doesn't talk about praying for chicken. He was going, oh, the Bible doesn't talk about praying for chickens. I'm praying for this chicken. And, he, and, and then he goes, and he goes, and you know, the, the story that I'm telling you, he said, I shared it in the local Presbyterian church about, <laughs> about two weeks ago. And uh, I said, oh, wow, how did that go? He goes, man, I got a standing ovation. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I prayed for this chicken twice and nothing happened. The third day I went out to pray for the chicken and I couldn't find the chicken. I went, what, was it dead? I mean, yeah, it died, right? <laughs> he goes, no, I just couldn't find it. But when I was looking around and counting the chickens, all of the chickens were there None of them were blind. So I went inside and I said to my wife, Mandy, have you prayed for that chicken? She goes, yes, I prayed for the chicken. He goes, what did you pray for the chicken? And, he, and she said, well, I asked God to give it its eyeballs back so it wouldn't die. And so he goes, well, you didn't do that, did you? She said, yes, I definitely did that. He made her come outside and they corralled the chickens because there was two chickens in amongst the chickens that were the same. And one of them was the one that had missing eyeballs. He goes, we corralled the chickens. We got a hold of them. I sat down with them on the lawn. I was pointing at this chicken and, and then that chicken and asking my wife, is this the chicken? Is this the chicken that you prayed for? And she's going, I don't know. He goes, is this the chicken? Is this the chicken that you prayed for? And he got so excited. He's, like, he's yelling. Mandy butts into the story and goes, he was yelling at me. Is this the chicken? Is this the chicken that you prayed for? I can't believe that this is the chicken that you prayed for. And, and he, they're forcing its eyeballs open. Anyway, one of them was the chicken that she prayed for, and it had its eyeballs back. And he's going, when I told that story in the Presbyterian church, they stood to their feet, there was loud applause, and people <laughs> were yelling encouragement, Right? The pastor afterwards said to him, man, that was a really amazing story, but even when we've shared stories about people who have been healed, we've never had that kind of response. Right? I think that's really interesting. I was thinking um, earlier today about the story of Peter and John as they go to the temple at the time for prayer. It says that they come across the, the, um, the beggar, the lame man, at the gate called Beautiful. And as they go past him, and he's begging for arms, he's, he's, he's asking for charity. They stop, and, and it says that Peter looks at him and, and says to him, you know, look at me. So the man looked up from where he was sitting and gave him his full attention. Peter says to him, well, silver and gold 
I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He grabbed the man's hand and stood him up and suddenly he was miraculously healed and so he followed Peter and John into the temple, leaping and praising God. Uh, and and this, this kind of story begins to unfold a whole, circum, a whole set of events that, that I find fascinating. It says that as a result of this, Peter and John were arrested by uh, the religious leaders of the day. This, they were brought before the Sanhedrin. And they were asked, by what name or by what power did you make this man well? It says that Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stood up and said, if you're inquiring today as to what it is that made this man well, it's none other than the name of Jesus. And I'm like, wow. You know, the, 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 the ability or the invitation that we have as believers to lay hands on people around us and to see the miraculous power of God outworked in their worlds is, is, is phenomenal. You know, I think sometimes we might find ourselves in situations that we allow to pass by because we're too shy, too scared, too, too afraid sometimes to step in and to, and to you know, put our reputation on the line. Because what if something doesn't happen, right? What if the chicken, it's cause it, and I love this, it's easy with a chicken because the chicken's not going to go and tell all its friends, man, these humans prayed for me and it didn't even work. How silly are they, right? But we think that people will do that. You know, I, I've, I've often found this, that when I've had the privilege of praying for somebody, of laying hands on them and believing for healing, maybe not every time that, that they've been healed. In fact, to be completely honest, probably more times than not, they haven't been healed in the way that I've been asking for, but they've still received something amazing in God. I, I think sometimes... I think, I believe this, that God sees needs that we don't. I love what it says in, in, in 1 Samuel 16, where, where it's talking about David being, being called. And it, and it says as the, the, the prophet Samuel turned up and saw all of Jesse's sons, and, and Eliab was the first one. And he said, man, surely this is the Lord's anointed, right? Surely this is the guy who's going to be made king over all of Israel. Because look at him. He's, he's, he's handsome. He's got broad shoulders. He's, man, his, his, his sword is so well polished. Or, or, or it's so, like, he just looked like the guy. But, but God rebukes him, remember, and says, well, Samuel, don't, don't look at the outward appearance. You know, uh, God doesn't see as, as we see. He, he looks at the heart. I'm like, man, sometimes God sees stuff that we're not aware of. And when we have the opportunity to pray for people around us, something miraculous happens, but it might not always be the miracle that we're asking for or believing to receive. Peter and John, now before the Sanhedrin, and they're, they're commanded by the religious leaders of the day to no longer preach or teach in Jesus' name. And I love their response. It says that, it says that we can't help but speak about the things that we have seen and heard. We can't help but tell other people about the things that we ourselves have witnessed. 
we've been with Jesus. We've seen him do the impossible. We can't help but emulate that in our world. Sometimes the, the, the conversations that I find myself in, in regards to does God or does God not heal? Does he do the miraculous or does he not do the miraculous? I, I think the answer is always, yes, he heals. Yes, he's a God of miracles. No, we might not always see it. Sometimes the answer as to why we don't always see it, and I don't want to seem harsh or, you know, or, or, or legalistic, but we've got to ask ourselves the question sometimes, have we spent time with Jesus? Right? Like, like, like we, can, we can read about and we can hear the stories of other people. Man, Dave, this story about how your wife, because it didn't work where you prayed, uh, saw that chicken healed is amazing. I'm going to go out and pray for all the chickens. Right? Well, yeah, amen. We get encouraged and we get inspired by the stories of those around us. But it's actually the time that we spend with Jesus that builds a, a confidence and a substance of faith in our world that when we're faced with opportunities to, to, I don't know, believe for miracles, that we can step out with a boldness and begin to see that happen. It says that after this, this, this event, this encounter that had happened for, for um, John and, and, and Peter, they went back and told all the other apostles and they began to pray together. And, and they asked God to give them boldness. Right? That no matter what threats or accusations were made against them, that they would be able to continue to speak in Jesus' name. They continued to do it. They saw more and more miracles. When, uh, as you read a couple of chapters later, it's like Acts chapters 3 through 5, it says that they were again arrested for preaching in Jesus' name and put in prison. Right? As they were in prison overnight, an angel of the Lord turned up and miraculously set them free and said, hey, no, no, just go out and keep speaking about Jesus. So they go out into the marketplace and do that. When, when the guards turn up to, to get them and bring them before the, the religious leaders again the next day, they're not even there. They have to search around them, find them, and here they are still speaking about Jesus. And it says, it says this, I forget the exact reference. It says, that, I think it's in Acts chapter 5, that then they were brought before the San, Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. I'm like, man, that, that, that's 71 people. The, the, the 71 members of the Sanhedrin, they gathered them all together because what these guys were doing was so disturbing to the religious authorities of the day that they wanted to put a stop to it. So they brought them before these 71, I don't know, rabbinical leaders that were responsible for everything to do with the law and religion throughout all of Israel and they commanded them you got to stop speaking in the name of this guy called Jesus and Peter again says well you judge for yourselves whether it's right to do what you say or what God says like man there's just this boldness about him I want, to, I want to talk about leadership for a moment. Because I, I, I believe that everybody is a leader in the capacity that we have. 
in the position that we're in. And one thing I've learned, I don't know, uh, about leadership is this, that every terrible decision I've ever made is the common denominator in that is myself, right? Like, <laughs> like every bad decision I've ever made, I'm responsible for it. Equally, every good decision as well. But we've, we've got to make decisions that progress us in life, right? Like, to, to lead ourselves well is to position ourselves in Christ. I think sometimes when it comes to our walk with Christ, we want to let passion dictate everything that happens. We want to let inspiration dictate why we do what we do when we do it. Because oh, I, I, I mean, just bear it with me here. It's easy to do things when we feel inspired to do them, right? Like, oh man, I, I, I'm so encouraged by that. Man, I, I, I remember listening to Yongi Cho when I, was, when I was a new believer. We had a VHS tape. We put it in the video machine and played. I'd never heard him before. And I listened to a couple of his messages. One of them was he was chasing a demon-possessed woman around the church trying to cast out the devil and it wouldn't come out. And he's, it was just, it was very, very funny. He goes, I spent three hours. You must come out. She goes, no, I won't come out. Anyway, I was like, man, it was a great story. But then he goes, you know, as believers, you've got, you, you got to learn to pray. And, and, and not just one hour or two hours, but three hours a day, he was saying. And he was so passionate about it that, that in the middle of this message, I went, right, that's it. Pause. I'm going into my room to pray for three hours. I'm starting today. I ran into the bedroom and shut the door. I, started, I prayed for everything I could think of to pray. I was like, man, I must have been here for ages. I came out maybe... I mean, I would say like three minutes had passed, but maybe 13 minutes had gone by. I'm like, oh man, that was amazing. How long's that been? Oh wow, I'm so far away from three hours. Turn the TV off and not listen to Yongi Cho again that day. But if we only ever go to spend time with Jesus when we feel inspired or passionate about it, then we're missing opportunities to do life with him on every other level. We, when it comes to making decisions, there's, there's three things that I found very, very helpful. Number one is this, and I'm still learning to apply these to my life, but, but, but uh, I don't know, I, I, this has been helpful for me. Be honest with yourself around why you're making the decisions that you're making. I think sometimes we make decisions based on, on a whole bunch of things, but any decision that we're making based on shame or fear or guilt is never going to lead us into a good place. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I say those three things, which I know are negative. Obviously, we make decisions based out of positive things as well. 
But if we allow ourselves to make decisions based out of negative things, then it never leads us to a good place. Because you got, and, and the more honest we can be with ourselves around why we're making the decisions that we're making, the better the decisions that we make become. Why won't I do that particular thing? Well, because I don't feel like I've got the right. I don't feel good enough. I, I, I've got a guilt about it, right? So mm, I don't feel like I've done enough to deserve it. I'm making a decision based out of shame. Why, why, wouldn't I, why wouldn't I choose that instead of that? Well, because I don't feel worthy. What, what does it look like to make a decision based out of fear? Well, man, I kind of would like to do that, but I'm afraid of what the outcome might be, so I'll just settle for this, right? And if we, I know what that feels like in the moment, but if we can stop and just begin to assess, I mean, it won't happen all the time, but just begin to assess, why am I about to make the decision that I'm making? Is it, is it pride? Is it arrogance? Is it fear? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Well, then that's not true of who I am. I'm not going to allow that dictate what my reality is going to be. I don't know, just a thought. Um, another, another, another question I've learned to ask myself is this, when it comes to making decisions, is this advancing my life? Like a simple thing to say, like, is this decision going to lead me to a better place in life or not? Normally a question I ask myself when I'm watching Netflix and thinking, man, should I click on the next episode? Is this going to advance my life? No, but it's probably going to end up about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> click, 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 next, next, next. Oh, next thing you know, waking up for work the next day, feeling terrible, not my best self. And it's because and, and, it's a question around input. What are we allowing to have entrance into our world? What 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 are we doing for nutrition? And am I staying up late and eating the chips and the lollies that the kids have hidden away in a particular cupboard? <laughs> yes, sometimes. You know, or exercise. You know, what are we doing to help ourselves in that arena? What spiritual input am I allowing to have in my world? Because we need to be able to lead ourselves well. I think probably the most compelling declaration or statement in Scripture around reasons why we need to lead ourselves well is found in what King David says in Psalm 78 and verse 72. It says of him in regards to his leadership of the whole nation of Israel, that with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands, he shepherded his people. I'm like, man, I... David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands, he led them. I love that. I, I love what it says, but I'm convicted by it at the same time. I'm like, man, I, David, you're awesome. But I want us to be like that, right? That with integrity of heart, that we can say honestly, man, I've, I've done my absolute best in that situation. I've given my everything to it. You know, in, in, in our pursuit of the call of Christ on our lives, 
you know what, I don't just say that I pray. I don't just say that I spend time with Jesus. It's something that I've committed to do. And no matter whether I'm feeling inspired or passionate or bored about it, I'm doing it anyway. And with skillful hands, he led them. You know, I, I, I think we've got a responsibility to continue to upskill ourselves in every area of life, particularly in regards to the areas that we're called to in Christ. Just a thought. <clears throat> As you as you come back and join me. Reading through the scriptures and getting a glimpse into the lives of those who spent time with Jesus as he walked the earth. It's such a valuable resource for us as believers. I'm fascinated by the things that they say, the stories that are written about them, the, the, the experiences and the encounters that they had. You know, I love again what, what Peter says and might uh, be first Peter. That the things that he writes about that he saw them with his own eyes. In fact, let me see if I can find the, the, the reference that I'm thinking of. Second Peter 1 and verse 16. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You know, the gospel of Jesus is not some cleverly devised story. Although Peter and, and, and John and the other apostles and those who were around with Jesus in that day may have been eyewitnesses of his majesty, you and I today can continue to spend time in his presence and meet with him in such an intimate way that he instills confidence and grace and a, and, and a boldness into our world. So that as we meet with those around us, we, we can operate in a way that goes beyond just the natural way of doing things and step into a supernatural outworking of God's goodness in this world. On our wedding day, people around the room were starting to stand up and tell stories or, 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 or their speeches, if you like. I remember Carol's brother standing up 
which I was quite to tell a story that I'd forgotten about at the time. He goes, man, I, you know, I kind of like Garth and, you know, congratulations, guys, ready to raise a glass. He goes, this is this odd thing that happened one day when Garth came out to my home. He was teaching me how to slaughter some sheep, which I did. It was good. He goes, but I also had this sheep that was sick. It had been cast or lame for about three days and I kept trying to stand it up but it wouldn't stand up and so I thought well it's going to die and, uh, and Garth told me he was a Christian and he asked if he would like if I would like him to go out and pray for the sheep I don't know why I did that but, he's, but he I remember him saying yeah I guess so looking quite confused and guy doing well come on out so we went out and we picked up the sheep and I prayed for it I said oh God <laughs> God would you do a miracle my God would you, would you would you fix the sheep I don't even know what I prayed it was something so basic God heal the sheep in Jesus name we let it go and it ran off in a straight line stopped and started to eat some grass really cool. Let's go and kill two of your other ones. <laughs> but he stood up on our wedding day. Began to tell that story which a bit of laughter around the room like, oh, that's really weird. I was sitting there at a time going, man, I I don't know if I was the next person to speak. But it was soon after that and I'd been wrestling with this idea in the room. So I had a whole bunch of my old friends and and, and family there. And I wanted to say something that would honor God. But I felt a bit shy. I was a bit afraid. And I remember when it was my time to speak, when I was hearing him tell that story, I was like, oh, wow. That's right, I remember that. That was awesome. And I felt encouraged as I stood up to to respond and give thanks to everybody who was there. I actually had to turn my back on everybody else because I was struggling to keep it together. I said, I don't want to do that. We'll stop looking at everybody. That's hard work. But when it came to the moment after we thanked everybody else, last but not least in fact probably most of all I want to give thanks to my father in heaven now I quoted Psalm 27 and verse 1 which says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid because that's who he has become to me changed my life if it wasn't for him I wouldn't be standing here on this day it's true now as it was then suddenly there was this presence that descended upon the room where physically we saw nearly every set of shoulders slump heads bowed in the presence of God was a felt reality in the, in the room. 
remember at the conclusion of what I had said, I saw my dad lean over to my pastor at the time. I didn't hear what was said, but they related it to me after. So my dad spoke to Pastor Ian. He said, you know, I just want to thank you for what the church has been able to do because now we have our son back. I had one of my best friends that I'd known since primary school come and he said to me, bro, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like an egg. But where does that love come from? What was that feeling in the room? So I led him down the hallway away from everybody else and I told him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spending time with Jesus is not simply some religious practice that we must adhere to as believers. It's an invitation that we get to respond to that builds faith and confidence and instills a boldness in the innermost parts of our being and settles the question of identity in our lives that we can truly say, I am a son or I am a daughter of God. There's nothing in this earth that can cause me to be afraid because he's the strength of my life. Can we stand to our feet this evening? I know it was maybe a little bit of a rambling man tonight. But I just really feel like God wants to instill something of a boldness in our hearts this evening. You know, I love what the Word of God says that as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. I believe that's an unending invitation. And so Father, tonight we just want to dive in deeper than ever before perhaps to explore the wonder of relationship that we have with you. I ask for every person that's present here tonight that you would instill a fresh boldness supernatural confidence to operate as a child of God in every realm and every sphere of influence that they find themselves in. I speak your blessing over them in the wonderful name of Jesus. And I want to ask just as we close, if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord or as their Savior, if you've never invited Jesus into your world, if you've never prayed a prayer saying, Jesus, I want you to be a real part of my life. If we could just take one moment as we close, before we close. If you're here tonight and that's you, I want you to maybe lift your hand, just an acknowledgement of that. Say, yes, I'd love to invite Jesus into my world. Yeah, I really do want to know what it's like to have Jesus as my Savior. And if there is no one here like that tonight, why don't you present that as an invitation to someone in your world? Make that, I don't know, a prayer for this week. God, I want to see someone else in my life invite you into their world.
and simply lead them in a prayer that says, Jesus, would you be my Lord and my Savior? Forgive me of all of my sin. I turn away from an old way of doing life. And I ask that you would teach me and lead me and guide me in doing life your way. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to close with a, um, just a great song tonight. And 